Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We are located in Seattle, Washington. As a church, we want to be a community of faithfully present people with God, self, and others. We hope that this encourages you to do the same wherever you are. And thanks for joining us. All right, so before we jump into the sermon today, I just want to say uh, a tremendous thank you. We love you. We're going to be praying for you. We miss you. Uh, to Michael and Molly Irving, many of you in our church family know them. Uh, they've served as faithful deacons here at our church for a few years. Uh, Michael served in the band, and uh, uh, Molly has served in Redemption Kids. And so we just want to say thank you guys so much uh, for serving our church the way you have on Sundays. In addition to that, they also served uh, in their life group every single week. And they really grew some deep friendships here and deep relationships, which is really what we're all about here at Redemption. And so we will miss you guys big time as you head to Denver. And we look forward to seeing you visiting. All right. So with that being said, we're going to jump into the sermon for the day. Uh, We are not going to be in the book of Acts. In fact, we're going to take a a lengthy break from the book of Acts. We've been in it for coming up next fall is going to be, this fall will be a a year. Uh, So we are going to take uh, about 10 to 11 weeks off of the book of Acts. And we're going to do a couple of things. One, beginning in about three or four weeks, we're going to do a series for seven weeks long looking at justice, the image of God, racial reconciliation, what is the Christian response to all that's going on in the world. Uh, in light of the death of George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and, and so on, and, and then all that's just this racial upheaval that's gone on throughout our nation uh, and even in our own city, it, it requires a thoughtful biblical response. We're not responding to some trend or some tweet or some hashtag, but rather we are going to uh, respond biblically, thoughtfully, creatively, and compassionately as we seek to grow deep in what God has to say in his word about these things. Karl Barth, the, the famous Protestant theologian, Swiss Protestant, he said this to his uh, theologians that were being trained up, and he he said this, uh, take your Bible and your newspaper, read both, but interpret your newspapers from your Bible. And that's what we want to do as as a church family. And so we are going to take about seven weeks and look at some of those issues, and we're going to do so uh, looking specifically at various genres of Scripture. That is, in your Bible, as you know, there are law and prophets and wisdom literature and gospels and history and apocalyptic literature and so on. And in each genre of Scripture, these themes of image of God and justice and reconciliation and so on show up again and again and again. And I want to show our people that uh, because it is not a one-off subject that one of the prophets happened to mention one time, but rather it's a theme that runs consistently from Genesis to Revelation that God cares about reconciliation reconciliation and justice in his world and he calls his people to not be silent but to speak up and to labor on behalf of those who need our voice our resources and our help and so we're going to do that and i think it's going to be well worth our time so in the next few weeks be praying and preparing your mind and your heart for that 
another thing is this. Before we get into that, we're going to spend three weeks looking at the vision of our church, which many of you already know it, about being faithfully present. And so we'll put this on the screen. But the vision of our church is very simple. It is this. We are a community of people who are striving to be faithfully present in our relationship with God, self, and others. We are a community of people who are striving to be faithfully present in our relationship with God, self, and others. Why is that the vision of our church? Because it is a scriptural, theologically sound, biblical response to what does it mean to be a Christian? That is, after I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and was crucified and resurrected and sent the Holy Spirit into my life and has regenerated me, how should I live my life? The simplest way to say it, it is about becoming faithfully present to God, to myself, to grow as a disciple, and to others, both inside and outside of the church. And so today, we're going to talk about being faithfully present to God. And so I'm going to answer three questions, and they're very simple. Why should you want to strive to be faithfully present to God? Why do you want to, Why should you want to do it? Where do you get the strength to be faithfully present? And then how does it look practically to be faithfully present to God? Why should you want to strive to be present to God? Where do you get the strength to do it? How does it look practically? So very, very quickly, right out of the gate, why should you want to strive to be faithfully present to God? The answer is this. It's twofold. One, because God is worthy of our attention. And two, because God is overwhelmingly happy. So one, God's worthy. God is worthy of our attention. God is the one who has created you, has called you, has sustained you, has provided for you. That God has kept everything in its place. That God alone is the transcendent, holy creator of the universe. He is worthy in and of himself. Had he not done anything other than merely just create us, he would be worthy of our faithful presence. But but we're not just part of creation. We're now part of what is called the family of God. We're his children. You see, you don't just belong to creation. If you're a Christian, you belong to the family of God, that God has brought you in as his own child. And God, this did not cost God a mere angel or two or a few dollars. But listen to what Peter says. In 1 Peter 1, 19, it says right here, You were not bought with perishable things like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You see, it, it cost God an unfathomable amount to let go of his only begotten son, that he would die in our place for our sins, so that we could become the righteousness of God. God is worthy of our faithful presence because of all that he has done in redeeming us and bringing us into his family. You know, in John 1.18, I was reading this just a few weeks ago, John 1.18, where it talks about Jesus has come to make the Father known. He was the one at the Father's side. Go read it. Uh, the Greek best reads, he was the one that sat in his Father's lap. He's come to make his father known. That is, 
that Jesus is the darling of heaven. He's the, the, the cherished one in heaven. And God, he gave his son to the cross so that you and I could be brought to sit on the lap of the Father. It's like that. So, the second reason why you should be, remain faithfully present to God is not only that he's worthy, but because God is the happiest being in the universe. Uh, again and again, God talks uh, throughout the prophets and saying that, how he delights in his people and how he is glorified and is eternally content in and of himself. When Jesus described our judgment and when we go into into heaven how did he say it he says well done good and faithful servant enter into the what he doesn't say good try faithful sometimes servant find a seat in the back and try not to get on my father's nerves and sit you know low and don't call any attention to yourself no he doesn't say that he doesn't talk about heaven as being some grumpy gloomy place he says enter into the joy of your master that when Jesus talked about heaven he did it with a smile on his face because he knows who his father is and the home that he has prepared for us is filled with real joy you should want to be faithfully present to this God because he's the happiest being in the universe you know, I recognized uh, in, a, in a Bible study this week with some men as we're talking about being emotionally healthy. And one thing that clicked about seven years ago in my own life is this. It's very, it, it was a subtle move, but my gosh, it changed everything. I realized that when I started to understand that God was the happiest being in the universe, I wanted to actually spend more time with him and that the spiritual disciplines didn't feel like chores. They were simply ways for me to say, I love you too. Back to God. You see, if you think God is a cosmic killjoy and a complete grump and is like Thor in the sky with a hammer, well, of course you don't want to be faithfully present to him. You're dodging him and looking out for him. Don't I hope I hope he doesn't notice me today. But that's not that's not God. When Jesus described me, if you just need three examples, go read Luke 15. It's so beautiful. When everybody is wondering who is God and what's he like, Jesus says he's like this. He's like a shepherd that has a hundred sheep and one gets away, and he's willing to leave those ninety-nine and run after that one. He's like the woman who uh, lost her coin. She had 10 coins, but she lost one. And she swept her whole house and looked under the couch and finally found the coin and threw a party with her friends going, oh, rejoice in me, I found that coin I was missing. He's like the, the father who waits on the front porch day after day after day, longing to see his son come home, though his son had made an utter mess of his life. And the father was overwhelmed to have him back. That's how the Father really is. So when you know that the Father is like this, then you're more inclined to be faithfully present to Him. So, there's why you should be faithfully present to God. But where do you get the strength to do it? Because I know parables alone are, are, are good and true and beautiful, but I need more than a parable. I need help, and I need more help than a pastor, and I need more help than a church. I need more help than a good book. I need God himself. I need God 
to help me be faithfully present to him. I'll forget how good he is, and I'll get distracted by things. God, how do I remain faithfully present to you? Where do I get the strength to do it? Jesus, in one of the most famous, most picturesque passages in all of Scripture, talks about it, and he uses this special word called abide. He says it in John 15. In John 15, Jesus is at the Last Supper, the night where he's about to be betrayed before he goes to die on the cross for sin. And as he's with the the disciples celebrating Passover, he says this beautiful, makes this beautiful image. And he says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right. So the word abide here means to remain in the same place over a period of time. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Abide in me, I'll abide in you. He's saying, I don't want you to check in once in a while. Please understand that I'm not a podcast you download once in a while. I'm not a building that you go to, a retreat that you go to, a song that you listen to. I'm not a book that you read. I'm not a Bible study that you go to. Those are all good and beautiful and right things. But it is possible to go to church but not come to Jesus. Does that make sense? I hope it does. But So when Jesus describes, abide in me, I want you to remain in me. I want you to be comfortable with me. It's literally like where I'm at right now. This is, we're on our back porch. This is where Jana and the kids and I, we sit, we spend time out here all summer long. And it's fantastic. And we love it. Why? It's because it's the cozy place. It's the place where we belong. It's a place where you can let your hair down and be the real you. Did you know that's what Jesus came to give you? Is a place of going, it's, 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 it's holy familiarity. I'm allowed to be in the very presence of God and I don't have to be filled with dread. Why? Oh, because he took away all my sin. Oh, because he filled me with his spirit. Oh, because he doesn't hang guilt and shame and gloom and fear over me. No, he, he calls me his own. He says I'm holy and I'm blameless. I'm beloved. I'm adopted. I'm cherished. I'm chosen. I'm free. I'm forgiven. I'm wanted. I'm desired. I'm saved. I'm secured. I'm sealed. We could go on and on. I'm the one God sings about, Zephaniah 317. He's dancing and claps when he thinks about his children. <laughs> so when Jesus says, abide in me, he's saying, Get comfy, sit on the couch, stay a while. Would you stick around? I love you. That's the heart of Jesus toward you. Where do you get the strength to abide faithfully? It's there. It's there in the holy familiarity our great Savior who indwells us. One of my professors uh, in Oxford one time asked me after class, and I'll never forget it, and I know I've mentioned it a million times, but it, it so changed me. He said, uh, we were discussing something out on a lawn. He goes, uh, Alex, has it ever occurred to you that in John 15, that might not just be a metaphor? I was like, uh, no. <laughs> he goes, what I mean is this. Do you, do you know that the Spirit of God actually lives in your life 
that of all the places that Jesus could have lived in the universe, he chose you? <laughs> of all the places, of all the palaces. That's called grace. <laughs> That's where you get the strength to be faithfully present to God. So lastly, lastly, the practical question, how do I remain faithfully present to God? How do I remain faithfully present to God? We might think that it's we begin each day with inviting God into our day, but that's actually the second step. The way we ought to begin the day is this. We wake up and we realize that we are the will of God. Catch that. The will of God is not just merely something that's hidden that we have to pray and fast and seek and strive after. Though, for sure, that's part of our Christian life and walk. But we wake up knowing, no, no, I am, I'm part of the will of God. God wills me alive today. God has sent his spirit to me today. God's given me his word today. God's given me his people today. God's called me into this city today. I'm part of the will of God today. So I wake up and I go, oh my gosh, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. How do I do this This practically being present to God? I wake up and first recognize I'm not inviting God into my day. I wake up realizing God is inviting me into his day. Okay, so it begins there. I'm part of the will of God. He wills me. Did you know today that you are alive right this moment because God wills you to be alive? Hmm. So, uh, here's just some, some practical things on being faithfully present to God. Uh, the Bible instructs us in the, in the fourth commandment. Remember Exodus 20, uh, the Ten Commandments. The fourth one is, honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy. It means to take a 24-hour period. The Jews did it from Friday night at 6 p.m. to Saturday night at 6 p.m. Um, you can do that at any day of the week, according to Romans 14. But it's to take an entire day, an entire 24-hour period, and to cease from all of your traditional working activities and to rest. But to intentionally rest in God, which means you go for a walk with your friends, you eat a great meal, you play a game, you take a nap. You rest, so but you're you're recharging. But you're not recharging, distracted away from God, using the sa- these uh, pra- these leisures to go. Okay, now I don't have to pay any attention to God. No, no, no. It's I'm sabbathing, so I'm gonna enjoy this walk I'm gonna go on today. Thank you, God, for an opportunity to go for a walk with my family or a friend or just by myself. God, thank you that I can lay down and take a nap today. It's to do these things with intentionality. That's the idea behind what it means to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy, to do it weekly. It's not something that you have to earn or work really hard for and then maybe you can get a Sabbath. No, no, no. It it comes around every week. Whether you've earned it or not, it's a command. And the command is to rest. Are you practicing Sabbath? When was the last time you practiced Sabbath? Not just taking a day off, but to really practice that heart posture 
to connect with your father as you Sabbath, whether alone or with family and friends. One thing that has helped me over the last couple of years is this. I have an alarm that goes off on my phone three times a day. I need all the help I can get. But it goes off three times a day at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 p.m. And it's very simple. All it says is this. God is with me. (laughs) I cannot tell you how helpful that is again and again. Maybe something like that would help for you. And in those moments, God is with me. I pause sometimes for 20 seconds, sometimes for a minute to two minutes. They're not these long, drawn-out, lengthy, lengthy prayers, but I try to take a moment and go, okay, I'm going to stop right here, right now, and I'm going to remember that God is with me. And in that moment, sometimes I'll remember something that I'd read in Scripture that day or the day before some other time. Sometimes I'll pause and I'll just pray for Jana and the kids. Sometimes I'll, uh, I'll just pause and pray about the work I'm doing right then and there in that moment. Sometimes I'll pray about something I need to get around to doing. Whatever it is, um, setting an alarm has been very helpful. The last thing I want to point out is this. Tish Warren, in uh, her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, says this, and this is so helpful. And I think many of you can identify with this as well. I know I can. She says this. Everyone wants a revolution. No one wants to do the dishes. I was and remain a Christian who longs for revolution. For things to be made new and whole and beautiful in big ways. But what I'm slowly seeing is that you can't get to the revolution without learning to do the dishes. The kind of spiritual life and disciplines needed to sustain the Christian life are quiet repetitive and ordinary. I often want to skip the boring daily stuff and get to the the, the thrilling the, the thrill of an edgy faith. But it's in the dailiness of the Christian faith, the making the bed, doing the dishes, the praying for our enemies, the reading the Bible, the quiet, the small. That's God's transformation. It takes root and it grows. You see she's calling attention to us right there that in being faithfully present to God we don't have to white knuckle it and do something amazing to get his attention we already have his attention and so we can do the mundane things the doing the dishes the folding the laundry the washing the car the uh, paying the bills cutting the grass the things you do every single day down to brushing your teeth or whatever the routine stuff that you, all of those acts are now sacred. Did you know that as a Christian? That all of your life is sacred? It's not just Sunday morning at the communion table. Certainly that moment is sacred for every obvious reason. But to understand that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that this is God's world, and that all of your work matters, whether you're, you're, you're a videographer, <laughs> whether you work at Amazon, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever you find yourself doing, whatever your occupation or vocation is, all of that can be done to the glory of God by simply going, yeah, I'm washing dishes, but I'm just not washing this dish. I'm going to wash this dish for you, God. I'm going to talk to you about this. Thanks for this dish. Thanks for the meal that I just ate. That's a simple way to go about being faithfully present to God in the mundane. And I'm telling you, this is so helpful 
this has been helpful for me over the years as I've tried to get better and better at this is to realize that I don't have to try to squeeze God into an hour here or 30 minutes over there, but to realize, oh, God is so overwhelmingly present to me. I will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews 13. Emmanuel, uh, Matthew chapter 1, God is with us. And so because God is so present to us, we can now live out our ordinary lives filled with the Spirit to His glory. That's what it is to be faithfully present to God. Thanks again for joining us. If you want more information about our church or would like to come visit us on a Sunday, go to redemptionseattle.com.